Kent and I enjoy many activities together. Downhill skiing is not one of them. <laughs> um, I'll never forget our honeymoon. We went to Lake Louise, Canada, January 1987. Beautiful snowfall, beautiful mountains surrounding us. And so one day, we decided to go spend the day downhill skiing together. Now, Kent is a fairly proficient downhill skier, and I would say, at least I used to be, a fairly proficient cross-country skier growing up in Alaska. So we spent the day on the slopes, and after that experience, I determined I'll stick with cross-country skiing. <laughs> I really liked the chairlifts, but um, I couldn't really master, what do they call those, the bunny hills? I think another term for them is kitty slopes. That's, that's where I spent my day. And so I finally freed my husband to go to those more adventurous slopes as I watched from the safety and warmth of the resort lodge. And we've never skied together since then. <laughs> so I couldn't be happier for Kent this morning that he's been able to fulfill a dream that he's had for some time now and that he's actually able to enjoy a few days with guy friends on the slopes who actually know how to downhill ski. So you get me today, amen? <laughs> Two weeks ago, what did we have? What happened two weeks ago? It was a pretty big event, an annual event. It was our impact conference. Or was it one week ago? It was two weeks. Was it only one week ago? Oh, time flies. One week ago. That's why you didn't get the answer. We had our impact conference. And the theme of this year's conference was lifestyle living the vision. And I've just not been or living the mission. And I've not been able to get that out of my mind. It's been tumbling around ever since then, you know. My lifestyle, our lifestyle, how is it that we individually together are living the mission? What would that look like? And, you know, I've just gotten more and more excited as I've thought about the incredible impact we could have, you and I as individuals, and as a church community, if we were to commit ourselves to this simple scriptural practice of opening our front doors and inviting people into our homes. This morning, I want to have what I would call a family conversation with you, okay? Not so much a message. I just want to talk to you. You're my church community, but you're also my family, and I love what God's doing in our church family. And so a good number of you here, I would say, are probably older than me, and an equally good number are probably younger than me. If you're not sure what side you're on, I'm 60, okay? So that'll tell you where you are. But if you don't mind this morning, I would really like to address you as a spiritual mother in the house. and Just have a talk with my family. Is that okay? Because I want to talk about how we express Christian hospitality out of our homes. You know, it can be expressed in a variety of ways, Christian hospitality. But my focus today is specifically on us opening our doors and inviting people into our homes because we all have one, don't we? You may have a big home, you may have a small home, you may live in a town home, an apartment, I live in the basement of a home, um, you may be in a trailer, you might be in a dorm room, or you might just have one single room in someone else's house. But my guess is that most, if not all of us here, would say we have a roof over our head, right? And that roof over our head and that space in which we are now living, I'm going to call your home. God has blessed each one of us 
with that. So I want to talk about our homes and how we can use them for advancing God's kingdom or living the mission. You know, when I read through my Bible, I encounter a hospitable God. Um, you look clear back at the beginning in Genesis. He created mankind. He starts with Adam and Eve. And he gives them the dignity of a choice, free will. And they chose to figure out good and evil for themselves. And that's a pattern that has followed clear through to this day, hasn't it? We all tend to want to decide for ourselves what's right and wrong, what's good and evil. And so their disobedience brought the ravages of sin into a perfect world and marked each one of us as sinners now separated from God as well. What did God do? You know, these are his children he's created, and they've just rebelled against him. Well, he didn't shut the front door, bolt it shut, and yell, to hell with them. He actually flung the door open, ran all the way down to earth, put on our human flesh. I mean, with all of his limitations, can you imagine the God of the universe being you and me just so he could bring you back home? could make you part of his family again. That's, that's God's hospitality. And if you've accepted an invitation to God's table, then you're part of that family, and you have the presence of God living right inside of you, and he wants each one of us to invite everyone around us to enjoy his generous hospitality. You know, we have Jesus living on the earth and during his time, he had disciples, and as he's getting ready to go back to heaven, he comforts his forlorn disciples with these promises. He says, I'm going away, but I'm going back to the Father's house, and I'm going to prepare a room for you. And then someday, he promised he would come back to get them and take them back home with him so that they could live with him forever. Now, that's a promise for you and me today. We have that promise that we're going to go live in God's house forever, for eternity. But that's not just a promise for you and me. That is a promise for everyone around you, for the whole world, for your friends, your neighbors, your family members. We, think of it, we, God's children, are going to enjoy the eternity of our hospitable God in his home, eating at his table eternally and we're going to live in the glory of his presence eternally so i can't think of a better way to express god's hospitality to everyone else around us than to imitate his glad welcome by welcoming others right through our front door to sit at our tables you know our homes are not eternal our homes here on earth are very temporary really just a flash, if you look at the time span and compared to an eternity with God. And so our opportunity to share our temporal homes right now is really time-sensitive and of great importance. When we look in the Bible and read through it, we find that hospitality is a mark of the true children of God. So it's something that marks us if we're God's children. Um, Paul was writing to the Christians in Rome, and he was giving them a list of behaviors that would mark them as followers of Jesus. 
And he begins this list, I mean, there's numerous lists, but the one I'm thinking of, he begins by saying, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And then he starts listing the behaviors that the followers of Jesus should have. And he ends with Romans 12, 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now that practice hospitality makes me think of doing something continually, that it's something that's a regular practice, not just once or twice a year at Christmas, Easter, or Thanksgiving. And then he takes it up a little higher when he goes to Hebrews 13, verse 2, and tells us, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some have done this, and they have entertained angels without realizing it. Now, I think he was referring to that story we remember back in Genesis 18, where Abraham's sitting at the door of his tent. He looks up, and he sees three strangers standing nearby. He runs over to those strangers, and he begs them to rest for a while while he washes their feet, and he gets food prepared, and he kindly and graciously welcomes them into his hospitality, feeding them. And what we find out a little later in the scripture is two of those angels— Two of those strangers were indeed angels, and one of those strangers was the Lord himself. And so this story motivated the early Christians in the New Testament to show hospitality even to the strangers among them. I could spend my few minutes with you this morning detailing all the scriptures about hospitality, and there are many because we serve a hospitable God who wants us to be that way as well. You know, there's scriptures that say if you're going to be a church leader or an elder, any kind of spiritual leader must be hospitable. If, you, if you're going to be a Christian, you should cheerfully share your home with those who are in need, those who have need for food or a place to stay. And we are even supposed to look at that enemy of ours and offer them food and water if they're hungry or they're thirsty. But I'm guessing that the majority of us here this morning are my family. You're already children of God. And so you already know all these truths, right? So this morning, um, I want us to admit as a family, possibly, that knowing what we should do and doing it are two different things, right? It can, it can be easy to know what to do. It can be difficult to actually do it. And I think that can be the case with expressing Christian hospitality. And so this morning I want to take the Hebrews 10.24 approach and just encourage each one of you, simply ask you to take the next step. Wherever you are in the practice of hospitality, this morning my hope is that when we finish, you will be willing to take that next step, that you would ask the Holy Spirit, God, how do you want to use me in my home and whatever he tells you to do, you take that next step, whatever that looks like. Um, when I look at a group this size, I'm guessing that there's probably about three groups of people here, give or take. And so I'm going to describe three groups of people. And I want you to listen, and I want you to see if you identify yourself in any of these three groups. Okay? If you're in group number one, you love hospitality. Okay? You experienced hospitality as a normal practice in your home growing up, or at least you received hospitality from the hands of enough people in your life that you've embraced the value of it, you've seen how much it ministers God's love, and, and you believe in it, you love it, and you want to do it. So you're 
a person that enjoys it. You're excited that Janet's speaking on it today because you always want to grow in this um, type of work for the Lord, hospitality. So you're excited to be here. You, you might not always get it right, but you are practicing it regularly. Now, I would say I fit into category number one, but you probably already guessed that because you'd have a hard time getting me up here to speak about hospitality if I didn't love it, right? <laughs> I grew up in a home where it was very commonplace to set another uh, plate on the table before we sat down to eat. It was often uh, friends and strangers seated around the table eating with us. Um, we frequently, and it wasn't abnormal for us to keep overnight guests in our home. And I remember growing up that I found it really interesting to see the different kind of people that were dining around our table. I enjoyed the lively and sometimes heated conversations because my dad was a very opinionated man. But we usually ended the evening with music because my family all played instruments and sang together, much like families watch TV in the evening together. And so we would sing and worship, maybe pray, read a little Bible, and anybody that was in our home, any guests, were welcome to be a part of all of that. Now, Kent also grew up in a very hospitable home. You that know Norma Norell know her hospitality. So when the two of us got married, we committed to make our home a place where people felt welcome, they could come eat, they could come sleep, and they could share their difficult questions and life struggles in a safe place. That's group number one. Now, if you're in group number two, you fear hospitality, or at least you cringe when you hear the word. Hospitality was not a normal practice in your home. Maybe your family didn't even eat together, much less invite someone else to join them for a meal. Maybe your home environment was dysfunctional and you felt uncomfortable inviting your friends home. Whatever your experience as a child, and now as an adult, you are scared to think of inviting people into your personal space. Um, you think that you have nothing to offer and that your place is not blank enough. You can fill in the blank. There's a lot of those, right? We all feel not enough when we think about our space and opening it up to other people. So you feel like your place is not enough. You consider yourself inadequate to host people in your home. And even worse, you may have experienced either in your childhood home or in someone else's home a counterfeit type of hospitality, which is really entertainment, pure and simple, and it left you saying, I can't do that. So you don't. And there's a distinction now between um, hospitality and entertainment. And I think it's important to make that, and I will in just a little bit, because our fear of offering hospitality out of our homes may just be due to the entertainment we experienced in someone else's home. So that may be stopping us from opening our home. We've really experienced a false hospitality. Now, if you're in the third group, you just feel indifferent to hospitality. You simply shrug your shoulders and say, that's not my gift, you know. Um, you may assert to its value, but you simply don't have time in your busy schedule to have people into your home. And since it's not in your giftings cluster, you're sure that someone else in the church is going to take care of it, and you just don't do it. How many of you can identify with one, two, or three in the group? You can raise your hand because nobody knows if you're one, two, or three, right? They don't know. So can you identify with any of those emotions? I hope so, because I think we're all 
somewhere in that. How would you define hospitality? I think that's a really important question because we can't really practice something if we don't have it well-defined or well-understood. Now, many of you right here have shown Kent and me wonderful hospitality. And this next week, we're going to go to the home of a, a new couple in our church that just invited us. It's incredible. I love the hospitality of our church. And I will never forget the hospitality of Rick and Jane Norell. Many of you know them. They used to be members here. They now live in Wisconsin. They let our family move into the lower level of their beautiful home some years back when we came back from the Dominican Republic for a year-long furlough. I'm talking Kent, myself, and three very active boys taking over their whole bottom level, and it was a beautiful space for one whole year. And because that space did not have a full kitchen, we would often fix our meals and eat our meals with them upstairs in their space. That hospitality ministered to me in ways I can't really describe. But like Rick and Jane, a good number of you sitting right here are in group number one. Hospitality is a normal practice for you. And I wrote to a few of you. Don't be offended if you didn't get an email from me. I could only write a few. Many of you are what I would call hospitality practitioners. But I wrote to just a few of you and asked you to give me your definition of hospitality. Let's read through these really quickly, what I got. They said, it's welcoming others into your life and home and treating them with kindness, generosity, and the love of Jesus. It's an act of service, of opening up your home, sharing your food, your space, and your time with other people. It's the friendly and generous reception and blessing of guests or visitors or strangers. Hospitality is what happens when you love your neighbor as yourself. It's the language of Christ, said one woman. Hospitality says, you are loved, you are welcomed, and you have a seat at the table. It's more of a position of the heart, loving people where you are with what you have. And hospitality is opening your heart and inviting them into your home without feeling like you have to entertain them. I think all those descriptions get at the heart of what I'm talking about this morning when I talk about us living the mission by simply opening our front door and inviting people into our homes, yes, even strangers into our homes. They've described it well. Are any of you familiar with the name Rosaria Butterfield? She's a known author and speaker, at least in our nation. I don't know if she goes internationally. Rosaria came to Jesus through the hospitality of her neighbors, a Christian couple who welcomed her into their home despite the fact that she and they were polar opposites of beliefs and practices. Now, at that time, Rosaria was a professor at the Syracuse New York University. She was a staunch activist, a feminist, and a strong voice in her LGBTQT community. She was in the process of writing a book when she met Ken and Floyd, and this book was about the religious right. She was asking research questions like, why are they such a hateful community? And why did they hate people like herself? Why were relatively decent people using this piece of literature, that's what she thought of the Bible, in such a hateful way? And so she received their invitation to a weekly meal for two years. Think of this, two years Rosaria entered their home, sat with them, and enjoyed a meal because she considered Ken 
her unpaid research assistant. See, she had an agenda, but that was okay. Ken and Floyd were fine with the fact that Rosaria was really only interested in critiquing the Bible, you know, reading it as a piece of literature and critiquing it. She would argue with them every week, then she'd return to her university campus where she would demean and mock them to her friends before she returned the next week to enjoy their hospitality at their table and argue some more. What happened to Rosaria? I'll tell you what happened. Ken and Floyd took a risk. They opened their front door and they invited a very different person to come in and eat with them. Their casserole did not save Rosaria. They did not disciple her into conversion. But the Spirit of God, through the reading of his word, as she's critiquing that, that live, living Spirit of God, did that supernatural work of redemption in Rosaria's life. But the highway on which he traveled was Ken and Floyd's tireless Christian hospitality. Rosaria comments, the way they practiced hospitality became a living, breathing example of the theology that they were teaching. Isn't that what we want as children of God? Don't we want, at least I do, that everything I say I believe would actually be demonstrated in the way I live my life and the way I treat other people around me? That's really our goal. So she's got a new book out that I've been reading very convicting for even a hospitality lover. The book is called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And she has a fun term for it. She calls it radically ordinary hospitality. And this is how she defines it. It's using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. It brings glory to God, serves others, and lives out the gospel in word and deed. Now, can't we bring glory to God, serve others, and live out the gospel by inviting someone out to eat at a restaurant? Yes, I think we can. And I'm not asking you this morning to stop taking people out for meals. Let's keep that up. Here's what I do want you to consider with me. <clears throat> People's organic is neutral space. Your home is personal space. And I really believe something deeper happens when you invite people into your personal space. The act of opening that front door, number one, it's an act of spiritual warfare. It really is to get past our fear to do that. It's an act of vulnerability as well and of transparency because you're inviting people to see who you are in the space that you live. And that's messy, that's real life, Scary, yes, but that act also gives your guests, whether they're believers or unbelievers, permission to be vulnerable and real with their very messy lives. Think how radically different that kind of hospitality is from our current society. We live in a culture that promotes independence, autonomy, and all the while, I feel like it's breeding isolation and loneliness. If each one of our homes are an expression of Jesus' love and kindness, we've got our doors open, people know they are welcome in our home, don't you think we're going to be lighthouses of hope, shining, dotted all over communities that live in a culture that says, 
my home is my castle. When I get home, I drop that invisible drawbridge, I close and bolt the door because this is my fortress, my time, my space. When you're depressed, scared, maybe abused, struggling neighbor hits a crisis, which of those homes is that person going to run to, do you think? So are we practicing Christian hospitality? How are we doing? I, I think this church does really well. My challenge today is for everyone, however, every one of us. And if you're not currently bringing people into your home, practicing hospitality, the question is, why not? I think there could be a lot of reasons of why not, but one reason I want to talk about is that thing I mentioned earlier. We get confused between entertainment and hospitality. We kind of think they're one and the same, and I'm telling you, if you get them confused, you'll be like me. I'm very embarrassed to say that for a number of years, I practiced entertainment thinking I was being hospitable to people. Bless God, he showed me a better way, because I'm going to tell you right now the difference so you can see you don't want to really, I mean, entertainment's not bad, but when, when you're doing it instead of hospitality, that's bad. Here's, here's the difference. For me, I'm speaking from personal experience. Entertainment is exhausting. It's all about me. It's all about how my house looks, how well I've decorated. Is everything clean and put away? It's a really big deal that my table is set with matching plates, cups, spoons. Um, I mean, I live this way, and it's a really big deal that my children don't have a meltdown while the guests are here, God forbid. So that, that feeling that I had was, I have to have everything perfect. I'm serving you. You're the receiver. I'm the giver. And I got to tell you, that is totally exhausting and impossible to do over the long haul. I remember we lived in the Dominican Republic. Now, you got to remember, this is a culture where time is not important. You know, a meal is an event. They could come any time in the evening, leave any time in the evening. Here's Janet. She's this perfectionist that has to have everything ready to go before her guests walk through the door. I mean, the food's got to be ready to put on the perfectly laid table. And so when my guests would show up, these dear people, I didn't even have, you know, a warm welcome for them. I'm kind of shooing them into the living room, telling Kent to keep them company while I'm rushing back to the kitchen to prepare my awesome meal and here I am banging and clattering pots and pans around the kitchen, looking a little bit like Martha in the Old Testament story. Yeah, you remember that story? By the way, Martha was not reprimanded for preparing a good meal. No, Jesus and his disciples needed nourishment and they appreciated her labor of love. So she wasn't reprimanded for that. The problem with Martha was her attitude, that attitude of self-pity, I'm the only one. Nobody's helping me. And that identity that she found in the important thing is what I can do for Jesus, not who I am to Jesus. Those were the issues with Martha. And so like Martha, you could find me in the kitchen grumbling, where's all my help? Oh, right. I'm the only female in a household of guys, so I guess it's up to me. Woohoo! And usually those evenings of entertainment ended with me totally worn out, and mad at somebody. You want to guess who? <laughs> Poor Kent. He was entertaining the guests while I'm busy in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, 
God graciously changed me over the 27 years that we spent in a ministry called Youth with a Mission. How many of you are familiar with Youth with a Mission? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you have done a discipleship training school in Youth with a Mission? Okay, here's a question for you. In your discipleship training school, which is like a foundational school you do if you want to be a part of this ministry, did they talk to you about the 18 values of Youth with a Mission, the core values? Did you go through them in your class? Did you walk through them, understand them? Because if you did not, you did not receive a real DTS, people. YWAM has 18 core values, and one of those core values was hospitality. Now, this mission felt they got from God these values, and so they were to live these values in daily practical life. And so hospitality, they said, was very important. It affirmed the ministry. They affirmed the ministry of hospitality is an expression of God's character and the value of people. We open our hearts, homes, and campuses to serve and honor one another, our guests, the poor and needy, not as acts of social protocol, but as expressions of generosity. That's what I saw living in the community of Youth with a Mission. And over time, I experienced so much of that kind of just simple hospitality that I began to see the error of my ways. My Dominican friends also modeled true hospitality for me. It did not matter how little they had. When you went to their home, they offered you the very little they had with great love. And it always made me feel so loved and accepted. So once I begin to understand this is, this is what God wants us to do with our home, I was able to make the switch. Now, admittedly, I do have a bit of perfectionism still in me. So if you come to my home, you're welcome to say, uh, 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 Janet, come talk to me. Uh, you're, you're, you know, doing that entertainment thing again. And, and it's funny because when I got the different definitions from the different women that I consider very hospitable, they struggle with the same fears those of you that don't do it do. The fear of inadequacy, the fear of are people really going to like it in my home? Is my home nice enough? Do I have enough to offer? They've just stepped over that threshold. They've done the spiritual warfare and said, we're going to do it. And that's where I'm at. I'm like, it's my house. I want to share it with you. Got kids that are crying, making a mess. I, you know, come on in. Here's the difference. Christian hospitality, although it takes planning and intentionality, it's really not complex. It really is simple. It's as simple as you opening your front door, inviting a person in, and loving them with what you have in the space that you have. True Christian hospitality humbly receives help from others. It doesn't set you up as the only one who can do it, who can give. You actually give and take with true hospitality. Kent has become my best hospitality partner. And if you're a couple here, don't do it separated. Do it together. It's not a one-man show. Do it with your husband or your wife. Men can be just as hospitable as women. And so you want to do it together. It's got great impact that way. And I found that incorporating the kids into it is a great thing. We taught our boys how to be hospitable and how to care for the guests, often giving up their own bed so they could spend the night. But it's all about that give and take. And I found that guests really have a sense of belonging when you give them a task to do. So often we'd invite them in and let them help set the table or help clean the table or they felt like a part of the family. And I found that people really don't mind your mess and your noise and chaos and meltdown kids because they're just so happy to be in a Christian family, to see what one looks like. Maybe they've never experienced it 
or maybe they're far from their own home and they're missing it. And you get to show them, model for them, how a Christian family lives. No, we're not perfect, but we love each other. We serve each other. We forgive each other. And so hospitality lets you do that. You are real with the people that come into your home. And because you don't have to impress people like you do with entertainment, you're able to stop, sit down, really listen to your guests, share their pain, their sorrow, maybe a difficult time they're walking through. You're there for them to let them know you will walk with them. Think of Ken and Floyd. They walked with Rosaria two years before she came to Jesus, and they faithfully talked to her, shared with her from the scriptures, listened to her, didn't push her, loved on her. That's what God's calling each of us to do. So what are our next steps? Um, well, maybe one of our next steps is to have another service where we get a panel up here. You can write questions about all your hospitality of you know, faux pas or fears, and people can share how they do it in the middle of their messy and real lives. Maybe a time of testimony for some of you that go out and try it and have a great testimony how God was faithful in the middle of your fear. That might be a next step. Um, I'm not going to give you a bunch of here's what you do, one, two, three. I am going to ask you that whether you're that person that's been indifferent about it, that really hasn't seen it as so important in your own home, um, and that because it's not your gifting, you don't think really it, it pertains to you, whether you're that other person who says, I'm really kind of afraid to open up my home to people. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. Or whether you're the one that goes, woohoo, come on over, I love it. I think God has a step, a next step for each one of us. And what I want us to do is to ask the Holy Spirit, just ask the Holy Spirit, God, what does that next step look like in my home with my current situation? And then simply obey and take that next step. We don't have to do hospitality the same way. Please don't copy me. Please do your own style of hospitality. God has given you resources, and you're just supposed to take those resources and do it in your own style. Be your own real person as you invite people into your very real home. And I understand, and God understands, there are seasons in our life. There are seasons that make hospitality difficult. And that's why I say, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you whether you're a single, whether you're living with a roommate, whether you're a, a couple or a family with small children. For this season of our life, God, what would hospitality look like in our home? You know, if you've got small kids, a seven o'clock dinner engagement is probably not a good plan because that's bath time. That's bedtime. So you might have to change up your hospitality to invite that neighbor over for coffee while the kids are sleeping. God knows our restrictions, our, our issues, and we can do this together, people. You don't have to do it by yourself. You can, a couple families go together to care for somebody else. There are so many options out there. I just want to say we serve a creative God. We are his kids. We have that creativity in us. So think outside the box and just take that next step and say, yes, Lord. A good place to start is right here. I would say we are fairly non-scary, wouldn't you? And I would guess there's nobody in this room that would be offended if you invited them to your home for dinner. You know, you may be sitting behind a person for the last month, really all you know is the back of their head. They could become your really good friend if you'd say, would you come over to my house? You'd find out they love gardening, they're interested in hunting. There's many things we don't know about each other unless we invite each other into our home. So this is a great place to begin. If we don't begin here, will we begin out there?
because that's the scarier part. The strangers are the scarier part. Let's start here by being a group of people that invite each other over, loving on I'd love to see a Sunday where somebody goes, I've been invited to three homes. This is really tough. What am I going to do? You know, we have this ability within our, in our homes, folks. We have riches to share, and you really don't know the person here that may be depressed, may be struggling with a terminal illness, may be suicidal. They're not going to share that with you here at church. They're going to wait until you invite them into your home and show your real messy life before they feel safe enough to say, this is what I'm struggling with. So like I said, spiritual warfare, we got to do it. We got to open the door. And it's not about us, people. Hospitality is not about you. It's not about me. It's about God's glory. It's about displaying God's glory in a way that imitates our Father's generous welcome to everybody around us. And so the final comment of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Can I pray over you as we end today? Um, it's, a, it's words of a simple song that I'm going to pray over us, and I'm going to hold you to that commitment to ask the Holy Spirit this next week what that looks like in your family and to start taking those steps but let me just pray this over you today let's close our eyes holy spirit come make our ears to hear make our mouths to speak make our eyes to see make our hearts to feel and our hands to reach out and touch the world with your love for the glory of God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Janet.